Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. Are you ready to get in the Word today? If you are, would you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4 and hold your place there. You know, we all need a great big why for the things that we endeavor to do in this life. We, we need a why. Because the truth is, there's nothing worse than having something to do, especially something repetitious, and asking yourself while you're doing it, why am I doing this? It's like the monotony of it almost seems insane at times, and you just don't understand what is the purpose of this expenditure of energy or resource or whatever it is, and, but, but conversely, when we've got a big enough why, when we understand what it is that we're hoping to achieve, what it is that we stand to gain, or what stakes are involved if we don't, then it makes everything we do worthwhile and we joyfully engage in the work before us. Here at Faith, Faith Assembly Church, we endeavor, our why is to develop faithful followers of Jesus Christ. This is the why of all the things that we do. We know that there are areas that where the believer needs to be challenged in order to, for them to move towards maturity as a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. We've identified those areas, and we did that last week as we launched this series. They need to grow in their connection. Uh, they need to grow in spiritual maturity and growth, and they, they need to go out in ministry and exercise that faith. And at a minimum, when we're planning and, and, and mapping out ministries here at the church, we want to achieve at least one of these goals, if not more of them, because they're so interconnected that we often find that some of these things have touched more than one, and some things that we do have actually touched all of those things at once. Here, let me illustrate that for you. This past summer, for instance, uh, we, we partnered with uh, an organization called Convoy of Hope to touch the needs of our city. And as we did that, we put out a call and people came together. One mind, one accord, they came together. That's connection. That's when you and I are walking together in fellowship and purpose and we're united uh, around the cross of Jesus Christ. You connected our, uh, with our community. You connected our community to the love of Christ through your service. And you grew. How many of you know when you serve, you grow? When you, when you serve, you grow. And you grew through the serving and the fellowship of striving together for the purpose of reaching outside of ourselves because there's just something about ministering to others that ministers to us. And of course, you were going in the act of serving, being the hands and feet of Christ extended. And going facilitated connection and growth. So you see how all that just kind of intersects there and intermingles. 
And this is just one example, of course, but it happens in a number of ways here. We have men's and, women, men's, and women's ministry events. And if you guys haven't registered for the, for the men's conference, by all means, CGM here after the end of the service and, and get plugged into that. It's going to be an amazing weekend, and we encourage all of you to come out and connect in that way. Uh, we have connect groups. Uh, we have Bible studies of all various kinds. Uh, youth and kids ministries, have you, as you've seen highlighted here today. And there are various outreaches to our community and through partnerships with those serving our missionary interests around the globe. We are a church that is connecting, growing, and going. And last week, we spoke about the importance of getting plugged in or connecting. Not only did we speak about the importance of plugging in ourselves, but also the patterns present in Scripture, wherein the immediate response of people uh, that were meeting Jesus was to go out to their friends, their acquaintances, their loved ones, and then say to them, hey, you've got to come and see. You've got to come and see, because it's incumbent upon the church it's incumbent upon the ones who have tasted the water, the life-giving water that he provides to be a water bearer to those who don't know, to those who are perishing in the desert. So last week we were plugging in, and this week we're going to be growing up. And if you have your Bible, as I said, you can join me there in Ephesians chapter 4. And as you're turning there, let me talk to you. How many of you know that it is inherent to human nature to want to break the code I mean just follow with me here for just a second we love to learn systems and then having learned systems we then like to figure out ways to beat the system Yeah, we, we love to learn a system, and then having learned the system, we then love to figure out ways to beat the system. If we can just figure out how to live at the minimum requirements, then we feel somehow a sense of achievement. And we brag about it to our friends. And we tell them, Mr. Cox, you got some kids in your class. You've put the requirements out there, and they've figured out the bare minimums, and they're telling all their friends. Here's the bare minimums. Some of you, you like finding loopholes in the tax code to save you money. And you tell all your friends about the loophole you found in the tax code. Right? Okay. We, we like to drive fast enough to be breaking the law, but not so fast that we get pulled over and punished. Because we've learned the system. You know, and we say things like, nine, you're fine, ten, you're mine. Because we know that's how far we can push the limits. And then I've ridden with some of you, and I know that you just have a complete disregard for that thought. How many of you guys enjoy finding and disabling all the safety switches on your lawnmower? Let's be honest, we, we like living in the margin. We like living in the margin of acceptability, don't we? we? We like to do enough to maintain our reputation or uphold our appearances, but not enough to feel the pain of sacrifice. We, we love to look good, 
but we often lack the disciplines to be good. I want to say that again. We like to look good, but we often lack the discipline to be good. And, and, and what happens is too often I believe that this same heart is brought over into our relationship with Christ. We go to church, we learn about spiritual growth, but the things that we have come to equate with spiritual growth is not actually growth at all. Because in our minds, growth equals knowledge. And, and, the, and the way we see and often understand it is that as our knowledge about the things of the Lord increases, so does our spiritual maturity. Well, that's not necessarily so. Just because you know about a thing does not mean you've matured in the thing. And, and sometimes we think we're growing just because our knowledge base is expanding, so we invest ourselves in learning about spiritual things. And we should. Don't misunderstand me. We should. The Word says, study to show yourself approved, a workman unto God who needs not be ashamed. There's, there's nothing at all that excuses us from the responsibility of immersing ourselves in the truth of God's Word and learning His character and His nature and understanding who He is and who we are in Him. Nothing. Nothing at all. But, but we have spent years, and when we spend enough time in the system so that we better understand all the details we have a firm grasp on the rules sooner or later that same prideful arrogant nature that makes us want to break the code is going to spill over that spills out in every other area of our lives soon enough takes hold in our spiritual growth and before you know it what we're trying to do in our relationship with the Lord is maintain the bare minimums we learn and we discuss and we argue about what we can and cannot do and still call ourselves Christians. We, we have there, you, you just look it up online. You can find endless chat rooms and arguments about what is and is not acceptable human behavior for someone who calls themselves a Christian. Because we're all prone to want to live in the margin of acceptability that's just we're not striving for excellence we're not we're not looking for total surrender we just want to know what is the margin of acceptability wherein I can look good and I can feel good but I don't know the pain of sacrifice that's involved with my growth are you with me and we love to look good and we love to we like to uh, we, we like to feel good but we're we're really made to be good by what we're becoming not what we're doing and what we do is we often learn instead of true spiritual growth we learn behavior modification we learn that Christians behave certain ways. And if you don't behave in these certain ways, then you're not a Christian. And we learn the rule of do and don't do. After all, to do or not to do certain things is the true mark of a Christian, right? 
No, it's not. To be like Jesus is the true mark of a Christian. And I'm telling you, you can do things kind of like Jesus did, and you can do things Christian-ish, but that doesn't make you like Christ. And the true mark of spiritual maturity is not that we have learned the rules and where the bare minimums and the boundaries are, and we walk that line of acceptability, but true spiritual maturity is not in the doing, but it's in the being, understanding that the being will soon enough affect the doing. Here, here we find it in Mark chapter 7. We read in, in verses 5 through 8, it says, Then the Pharisees and the scribes asked him and said, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? And he answered, and that's a daunting thing there in this age of pandemic, isn't it? He answered and said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, the, this people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandments of God, you hold the traditions of men, washing of pitchers and cups, and many other such things you do. Jesus says that the, the, the idea, because they're doing all the things, but they're not being. And in, in the doing, and caught up in the doing, and what is acceptable marginally acceptable to be or not be classified as a follower of Christ there he says that is the epitome of hypocrisy because while you're caught up in the doing you're not concerned about the being and that is the that is the definition of hypocrite to give the appearance of one thing but not actually be it And the truth of the matter is that the doing of Christianity is not the genesis of spiritual growth, but the beginning of true spiritual maturity, however, is our being, and our being should produce a behavior in us and from us that is reflective of the Christ we serve. What are you saying, Pastor? Well, I'm saying this, that too often our emphasis is placed on doing and not on being. And we come to church and we consume the material, we attend the Bible studies, we learn all the rules of the system, and then we ask the question, what must we do to maintain our righteousness? What must we do in order to not smudge our reputation? And we learn to do only as much as we feel is necessary to feel like we're getting by. And the irony of this is that there's nothing that we can do to maintain our righteousness to begin with. Because the only righteousness that we have is imputed to us by Christ and Christ alone. And still the truth of the matter is that there are many in the body of Christ who never experience true life change because they're simply trying to complete the bare minimums in behavior modification to still be considered Christian and maintain their image and look good to those around them. And in turn, we, we learn to justify our infidelities and our iniquities with saying, well, that's not really required of me. Because I know the system. And I know where the margins of acceptability are. And, you know, a lot of that is subjective to my own opinion. But I know, I know that that's not required of me. 
And what we have produced in many instances is a body that doesn't reflect Christ. Even though we say we are the body of Christ. And just because you do or don't do certain things doesn't make you spiritually mature. Just because you've learned the mechanics of religion doesn't mean that you're growing in Christ. Likewise, just because you can do or don't do certain things is not indicative that there aren't spiritual deficiencies in your life that need to be overcome and that need to be matured beyond. Now, let me, let me illustrate this for you here. I, w- I want to ask this question, and I want to ask it rhetorically. Uh, I don't want any spouse abuse in this segment of the of the message today no no watch the elbows please and I can go ahead and tell you I've got a booked up week next week so I don't have time for endless counseling but let me ask you this for what reasons would you not cheat on your spouse for what reasons would you not cheat on your spouse and you know, you ask that question, many people would give a, n- a number of reasons, but I've often heard many people answer it with very self-preserving answers. And those, those answers sound, you know, some have said, well, if I, if I ever did anything like that, I'm sure I'd get caught. Or, I value my life too much to do something like that. And this is where some of you spouses can say amen, right? And I just want to, you know, just think about that for a minute. If that's your take on the situation, if those are the only reasons that you're not stepping out today, then understand this, just because you haven't cheated does not indicate that there's not a problem in your relationship. And if you wanted to test that theory, you might go to your spouse and don't. I mean, just again, I'm not trying to create any problem for you. You might go to your spouse and say, you know what, I love you, but I've been thinking about being with someone else, and, you know, the truth of the matter is I would, but I'm afraid I'd get caught or that, you know, you might kill me, so I've decided not to. Let me know how that conversation goes. Because what you're going to find in that moment is that the distress that is brought into your relationship is not based on whether you did or did not perform a certain act, but the distress is going to be ushered into your relationship as a manifestation that it was in your heart to do so. It was, it was in you. The want to. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I say to you that in as much as you've looked on someone else with that intent and desire, you've already done it. You're guilty. You're guilty of it. And, and if you played out this scenario, what you're likely to find is that the problem is resident in the fact that you wanted to If you didn't fear getting caught, if you didn't fear losing your life, if you weren't fearful of tarnishing your reputation, if you weren't fearful of a sudden change in your relationship status, if you weren't fearful of losing most of your possessions, and the problem you'll find in that moment is not what you did or didn't do, but the problem was your want to. 
and some of the same principle applies in our relationship to Christ we don't want a change in our relationship status we don't want to lose our inheritance in him we want to hold firm to the promise but the truth of the matter is there's a lot of us that would rather sow to the nature of our carnal man than we had to sow to the Christ in us and when you're you know when I'm more interested in sowing to Steve than I am to the Christ in Steve that is the problem not how often I've come to this house, not how many times I preach this gospel, not how many times I've taught somebody else, not how much scripture I can or cannot recite. The problem is that I want to feed my flesh more than I'm interested in feeding my spirit. And I can put on all the facade. Of, of being mature in Christ and being a Christian all I want to but until the heart's cry is to be like Jesus to be like Jesus all I ask is to be like him then I'm not growing until I'm laying my heart bare on the altar and saying, God, you've got to do something about the want to in me. Because there's a want to in me that's contrary to your nature. There's a, there's a want to in me that's contrary to who you are and your character and who you've revealed to me that you are. And I want to be like you. I want to be conformed not to this world, but conformed to your image. And I'm not. I look like it. I act like it because I want to look good. And I want to not have my reputation besmirched or anybody think less of me as a believer. So I'm, I'm just walking in the margin of acceptability. But I know there are things in my heart and in my life that are not right. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. See if there's any unclean thing in me. And true spiritual maturity is growing in Christ. It's not just expanding our knowledge base about him. It's not based on our ability to keep the law or play by the rules or know where the gray areas are. But it begins to be achieved when we begin to see that the very thoughts and the intents of our hearts are being transformed into the likeness of Christ. The aim of spiritual maturity is that we live our lives no longer trying to find the bare minimums to satisfy the rules, but rather to have such a transformation of heart and soul that we no longer need the rules because our lives are becoming as reflective of the heart of Christ as the command of the law ever did. The aim of spiritual maturity is to fix our broken want to. The aim of spiritual maturity is to fix our broken want to. It's a change of heart. It's a change of spirit. It's a change in my will. 
until, until I'm no longer at a place of laying on an altar and saying, Lord, nevertheless, here's my will. But saying, nevertheless, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done in earth. Now we, we just, there's, it's amazing to me how adaptive and dismissive or, or contextually wrong we can be when we're applying scripture. Because when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we, we pray and say, you know, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done in earth, and, and our, our mindset is global. But it's not. I am earth, you're earth. Just ashes to ashes, dust to dust, form, fashion out of the dust of the earth, breathed in the breath of God in, our, in us, and we became a living being. But I, I'm the earth. I'm the earth that needs to yield and, and submit to the will of God in my life. I, I, am the, I am the earth that needs the will of God to be carried out in my life the same measure and the same fluidity that it is in the heavens where there are no fleshly hindrances. I am that earth. You are that earth. And the aim of, of spiritual maturity is to get to that point that there's a change in heart, a change in spirit, a change in will. And spiritual maturity of the believer is one of the primary purposes of the church. Ephesians chapter 4. That was the introduction. I have a few minutes to give you the message. Now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Well, what do they do? They preach the gospel, they visit the sick, they do what? They do all, they do all the stuff you do at the church, you know. No, no they don't actually. Their responsibility, and I'm reading this specifically from the New Living Translation today because just the clarity of thought here so that we can really embrace this text. And it says their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Now Paul states emphatically that the responsibility of the pastor, the evangelist, the teacher, the prophet is to equip God's people for the work of the ministry. Now you are here today partaking for a purpose. Because there's a call on your life. There's a there's a plan for you. There's a work for you to do. And that is that purpose is you're here today partaking to be equipped. Equipped to do the work of the Lord. Equipped to build up the body of Christ. And Paul continues and says this will continue until we all come to such a unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. Listen to this. Here's the standard. Not what's acceptable through our philosophical reasoning. Not what we arrive at as being the margin of acceptability out of our own wisdom as we've compared all of the do's and don'ts together. But we are to grow until we have matured, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. That's the aim. That's the aim. The standard is not to measure up to those around us. The Pharisees were filled with the knowledge, yet, yet they were some of the most spiritually immature people of their day. They had no discernment. They were filled with malice and deceit, and those things ruled their hearts. 
And the standard by which we're to measure our growth is, is our knowledge of the person, the character, and the will of Jesus Christ. That's how we measure. We hold ourselves against Christ. We hold ourselves against Christ. And as we hold ourselves against Christ, we realize what the Apostle Paul says, I don't speak as someone who has attained. I'm not there. I'm trying with everything in me. I'm pressing towards the mark, but I'm not there. I'm not there. I can't, I can't quit now. I can't give up. I can't sit back and, you know, talk about ministry in the church like it's a prison term at San Quentin and say, well, I've done my time. That's the way some people explain church ministry, you know. It's like, could you help us do Well, I did my time. Wow, it must have been a harsh sentence. Paul continues and says, then we will no longer be immature like children. Can I tell you that immaturity is a plague in the body of Christ? People that, I mean, I've been to church for 50 years, and you know a lot of stuff, but you let somebody snag you the wrong way, and there's no maturity there at all. You let somebody, you know, just, just cross against your comfort zone just a little bit, and all of a sudden, the Great Commission just flies right out the window. I mean, who cares about reaching the lost? Make me happy. Right? And, and, and here it is. He says, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown by every wind of new teaching. We'll not be influenced when people try to trick us with the lies so clever that they sound like truth. And when we grow in the nature of Christ, Paul says by the Spirit that we're no longer going to be immature like children, blown about by every wind of new teaching. We won't be influenced by things that would sound like the truth how many of you know there are a lot of things today that sound like the truth there there are some very dark and deceitful movements that are attached to some very righteous and good and moral hashtags we live in a hashtag generation where if you can put the right branding with it we will just completely look beyond the content of it. We don't, we don't recognize the evil bound up in it. It's a virtuous and noble hashtag. And we support it 100%. We fall right in line, and you might think that your cause is not the one I'm talking about, and it probably is. We're equal opportunity here. Both, both sides of the spectrum. If it's not uniting, if it's not bringing together, if it's not pointing people to a hope that is in Christ Jesus and Christ alone, then it's not of Christ and it's not virtuous and it's not noble, but it sounds like the truth. And the body is being rocked, the body is being swayed, the body is being blown by so many hashtags and things that are not of God. When we grow and mature, Paul says we're not going to be influenced by those things. Many people will say things that sound like the truth, but it doesn't sound like my Savior. I'm going to say it again. Many people will say things that sound like the truth, 
but it doesn't sound like my Savior. And if, if all I know is a head knowledge of the things of Christ, but I'm not walking in fellowship with Christ or allowing myself to be changed by the revelation of his character and his will, then I'm, being, I'm not being conformed to his likeness. Not simply in, in my practice, but in my nature. I am offering myself as a sacrifice to God. That, that's when spiritual maturity comes. And you know how it is when somebody comes to you and they say something about someone else? I mean, I know people don't do that, but just suppose they did. They came to you and they said something to you about someone else. And you know the person, but you only have a perception about them. And you've heard stories about them, but you don't know them. Then you might be inclined to believe the falsehood that's been spoken about them because it sounds like the truth. And you say, well, I would have never, I'm surprised I would have never imagined that about them. But then somebody will come to you with a word about someone that you know. And I mean, you really know them. You, you've shared fellowship with them. You've broke bread with them. You, you've been in, in contact with them and, and you've served with them. And you, you understand who they are at the core of their being and somebody comes to you with that story and you say you say good story bro but I know them and that ain't them and and some folks in the body of Christ are taking in so much rhetoric from the world that they're beginning to operate in a way that's contrary to the nature of Christ they have received a principle that sounds like the truth it sounds noble it stands to reason it includes scripture but it's not of Christ and the sad reality is that they can quote scripture all day long they can tell you about church etiquette and what doing Christianity looks like but they're so far from being Christ-like in their hearts that it's pitiful Paul says instead we speak the truth in love growing in every way more and more like Christ who is the head of his body the church speaking the truth in love growing every day growing in every way yeah that way the part of your life that is not like Christ that you continually look at and say well that's just who I am can I tell you that Christ did not die to redeem you, to leave you who you are, but he started a work in you that is creating a new creation in you that looks more and more like him every day. That you would be able to reckon the old man as being dead and that Christ now lives in you. Paul continues and says he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts to grow. Remember last week we talked about that, that continuum of faith where there are those ahead of us that we're, we're, we're straining and we're reaching to get to where they are. There are those behind us that, that are reaching towards where we are. You know, I failed to mention in that illustration that in that also, you know, it's not that it's just a continual up upreach there's also an encouragement that is found in looking behind 
and seeing those that are following in our footsteps as well so don't ever think that you don't have anything to contribute when you come and you fellowship and you worship and you serve with the body of Christ because it it is an encouragement you are encouraging other people in being here and I, I believe that verse 16 illustrates that here for us today is that as each part does its own special work it helps the other parts to grow so that the whole body is healthy healthy and growing and full of activity no full of love now realize we got to be an active church you know I don't like sitting just sitting around but we do what we do motivated by love because we're a house of love fit together perfectly each part does its own special work it helps the other parts to grow and the end result of that is a healthy body those of you who are parents in the room regardless of where you are on that continuum if you if your kids are grown as mine are you look back on on seasons and times in life and and, and you just you know if you didn't feel like they were hitting the benchmark you know you just be like in panic mode to one another mom and dad going like you know are our kids ever gonna have any teeth I mean what what's what's up this this girl here when does the sprouting start because and, and we concern it's it's a serious concern because we see that child is is not growing it's not maturing at the rate that we anticipate or expect they would I'm telling you that we ought to be troubled in ourselves the same way when we see those things in our lives that are not like Christ when we see that will to that has not been dealt with and our heart not changed to the point that we no longer have the appetite for carnal things we no longer have the self-serving appetites but we have yielded all to Christ and said search me O Lord know my heart that's what it means to grow when you come into this house understand that that is what it means to grow in Christ it doesn't mean that we just grow in our knowledge about Christ but it means we grow in our likeness to Christ our likeness of Christ because there's a world outside these doors that need to see Jesus with skin on there's a world out here that needs to see Jesus with skin on doesn't matter about the container what matters is what's flowing from the heart and is the life that is coming out the manifestation of the life of Christ in that we grow would you stand those of you that are watching online those of you that are here in this place today I want to invite you just to bow your heads I never like to end a service without giving the opportunity just to say you know what if 
you've been struggling with a call, with a, a, a nag, just a drawing in your heart, your spirit of the last several days, and you know that things need to change, you know that there are some areas in your heart and life, and as yet you've not even begun a walk of faith, you're, you're, you've been resistant, you've been hesitant to respond to the call of the Lord. Well, I want to encourage you that today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. Don't, don't put it off. There's no guarantee that tomorrow's ours. This, this gift that we have called the present is right here, and so is our Savior, so is our Lord. He's right here to meet us in this moment. And if you're here today and you'd say, Pastor, that's me, I, I need... A life change I'm ready to yield I'm ready to surrender my life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ if you're watching online just lift a hand wherever you are drop that word in the chat and say pastor would you pray for me if that's you just slip a hand up wherever you are amen amen thank you father we love you Lord and God I just pray for those who are watching online right now who maybe have a question in their heart Lord would you just show up in that place with a presence that is so real and so definite that it just resolves all of their questions right now in this moment meet them we can't be there with them physically Lord but you can you can be right there with them in spirit and God I just pray that you would move in their lives and move in their hearts in such a powerful way in this moment Lord that there would be a surrender. God, we give you the praise for the harvest. We give you the praise for the increase right now in Jesus' name. And we thank you. God, send a prophet their way, a man or a woman of God, to speak life to them and encourage them, Father. And we give you the glory, the praise, and all the honor. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.